Welcome to Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina. This is episode 34, and I'm here with my pastor, Dr. John Payne, and I'm Dr. Gabriel Williams. And it's been several months since we've last sure talked, <laughs> and it's, a, it's good to talk to you again. Good to be back, John. Yes, great to be back on the podcast. Definitely. So what we wanted to do today was to talk about an interesting topic, and it's a topic that's on the minds of many today, based primarily upon a recent podcast that has come out from uh, a website named Reformed African American Network, and it's a podcast named Truth's Table. And their podcast was centered on various discussions and issues regarding gender and sex within primarily conservative churches. So the first thing I guess we can do here is just to talk about kind of what we got, gathered from the podcast in terms of what we primarily agreed with with that podcast. Yeah, I mean, there were several very uh, helpful things that were said that I think are important to say uh, in uh, the life of the church. We, of course, heard um, about a term they use this toxic masculinity. That's right. And, uh, of course, we would agree with them wholeheartedly Definitely. that we would never want to see this kind of behavior in in our Lord's Church and any any session uh, of elders that would allow such uh, uh, behavior, whatever it would look like. Uh, perhaps it's a uh, kind of oppressive, condescending, um, ungodly orientation towards uh, women in the church. Uh, it would it would be totally out of line, and uh, any church mm -hmm. that would allow their women to be treated that way would, of course, uh, be be uh, be wrong in doing so. Um, there were uh, other things I think that were important uh, that were said. Uh, I think one thing that's worth uh, emphasizing again, and it's something I wholeheartedly agree with, is the desire for true, godly, healthy relationships among women and men. And that's something I definitely affirm, primarily because I know how much I've been you know, dramatically blessed by having older women and younger women both encouraging me and correcting me when I've done something foolish or if they see a blind spot in my life, it's their testimony that's been very helpful for my own personal growth. Oh, there's no question. And as a minister of the gospel for the last 20 years, mm -hmm. uh, I cannot tell you the number of times that I have been ministered to. Uh, both in receiving encouragement mm -hmm. and also in at times receiving uh, loving correction That's and right. even at times rebuke. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember one particular occasion where a church member came, a woman came to me and, and rebuked me for uh, something and I remember thinking, and I, I told her, you are exactly right mm -hmm. and uh, I had uh, I should have I should have been there, uh, I, should have, I should have been supporting you in this and Please forgive me, and and so the, the, yes, and and the amount of encouragement over the years I've received through uh, through letters, through uh, emails, uh, through phone calls, it's it's extraordinary, and in many ways has has kept me going. That's great. It's great to hear. Another thing I want to affirm, and this is something mentioned uh, many times in the podcast, was there is the history of how women were treated within conservative churches. And in particular, it was discussed how there were times in which many women felt that their only real contribution, perhaps to men or to the church, was just their bodies. 
And one of the things we want to affirm with the host on the podcast is that we affirm with them that women are not just sexual objects to be objectified right. or to be used for just men's benefit. Right. Yes. No question. Um, again, if that ever is a, a pattern uh, mm -hmm. in a church, it, it needs to be dealt with uh, through the proper disciplinary channels, and so and it needs to be taught against and preached against as well. Amen. Uh, so it's very important. Uh, so it, so gave many things, of course, that we. Mm -hmm were uh, thankful for, emphases that were, were made. Um, however, uh, there were some, some things that were of concern as well. And, and we think perhaps, you know, even in our discussion before we came on, on the air, mm -hmm. uh, some things that were unnecessary that have caused uh, concern in the minds of people. And, and I think it's important not only to talk about them, to you know, join the conversation uh, that uh, they have, have started, uh, but but also to perhaps ask some questions of our brothers and sisters and what they particularly meant by certain things, which could easily be misunderstood in the ways that they were communicated. Of course, of course. I guess the first thing we'll start off with is the title, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so Gender apartheid. Gender apartheid. Now, in fairness, the podcast, uh, the host of the podcast, admitted that this was a provocative title. Uh, they mentioned it was really sex apartheid, but like gender apartheid better. But one of the things that's worth mentioning, and it's something I know that they are aware of, is words not only have meaning in our current context, they have historical meaning. Yes. And there are various phrases which, if brought out in an unqualified way, has a very negative impact upon the hearer. And so I'm, I, I recall things from my own childhood. I remember when Nelson Mandela was let out of prison yes. uh, when I was a child. I remember that as the definitive signal that the apartheid era of South Africa was done. And I remember my parents weeping. I remember celebrations to see that man let out of prison. And I know that it wasn't perhaps intended that sort of direct image, but to relate apartheid that occurred in South Africa to what is or potentially going on in churches today in conservative churches men towards women exactly that's that's an overreach and it's unnecessarily provocative I yes would say. I, I think we agree that it's just not helpful language mm -hmm. uh, to to bring the discussion forward and let's just remind our listeners of what apartheid was <laughs> Yes, apartheid, if you go back and go back to your history of South African history, this was uh, South Africa's version of Jim Crow, but a much more intense and a much more government-sanctioned issue. And government so, sanctioned segregation. Exactly. And, and oppression of... Yeah, exactly. And we're talking about secret police locking up others. We're talking about brutality. And again, if you're a Southern... Uh, black American, you know the images in your mind of Jim Crow South, and we know from Charleston exactly, and we know from those of us in Charleston, the image of apartheid was brought back to us with the Dylan Roof shooting, yes. where he brought back the Rhodesia flag. We know the visceral image that produces because we know how much suffering uh, was done to those people who lived in the apartheid era, and so again, it's. It may be a provocative thing to say, it may gain the attention of a hearer, but the question is, is it advancing a needed conversation? Right, yes, uh, very much in agreement there, brother. Um, you know, we need to find ways to talk about 
uh, controversial issues mm -hmm. that are going to be erratic. Mm -hmm. They're going to move the conversation forward. They're going to mm -hmm. be unnecessarily incendiary. Of course. And with the language of apartheid from the very beginning, uh, you're saying that something is happening in the church that is, in some ways, um, mirroring mm -hmm. what took place in South Africa. And is that really helpful to us? And another issue is, is that the current state of affairs? So it's one thing to make an argument to say that the past history of women within conservative churches was not just less than stellar, but was at many times embarrassing and sinful. It's one thing to make a historical reference. It's another thing to say as if nothing has changed in the positive over the last 30 to 50 yes. years. And are we really willing to say that what's happening in white evangelical churches today mm -hmm. is equivalent really at yeah, all yeah, I, to what took place in apartheid I, I in South not, Africa. <laughs> I think not at all. Uh, so yeah, so that's kind of one of the things we wanted to, to question our brothers and sisters uh, on was the very title, mm -hmm. uh, which really then launches us into a lot of what we see as overreaching language. and. Mm -hmm. It, we would just say that there's a place to have this conversation. It's an important conversation about how we view women in the church and how we encourage them and empower them to use their gifts in the context of the church. Of course. But the language that is being used, what are some of the terms that were used in the So in the a, a term that has appeared in a couple of different times was the idea of enshrining misogyny. And... <laughs> Again, we're not talking about historical issues that can be dealt with from a historical perspective. We're and documented. Talking, and documented. We're talking about today, currently, how is misogyny enshrined? And when the actual discussion was turned to, say, evidence or documentable sort of things, it was things that are, you can say they may be disagreements, but misogyny is a serious charge. Misogyny is assuming that there is a sinister and very hateful and demeaning, dehumanizing view towards women in churches. Right, and I'll say this, um, I'm happy to say this actually, mm -hmm. that in 20 years uh, in the PCA, and I've been involved in many churches, uh, working in many churches, mm -hmm. and I have never seen the kinds of, of things that they're describing. And mm -hmm. so it, what I would be interested in is if these kinds of things are happening, that they're and maybe they're not thinking of the PCA. They said they're not naming any denominations. Mm -hmm. I know that several of them are, are connected with the PCA, mm -hmm. um, but would want that to be rooted out of the PCA Amen. if if uh, there was a kind of enshrined misogyny taking place. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's it's just important that as we, we talk through this issue that we are not using overreaching terms. Another one was... Um, uh, toxic patriarchy, toxic which is patriarchy, similar to the enshrined misogyny. I think. Yeah, it's, uh, a, it's a similar idea. I think it's uh, leaning in a in a different direction, because the patriarchy assumption is kind of given there to basically show that really the methods or means at which uh, churches are being run is not for the health and building up of the members yes. but it's really just a power dynamic being imposed upon women and again that's not a charge of 
accidental treatment of women. That's a charge of a purposeful suppression of women in their rightful and due place within the church. And when we think about this in terms of scripture, uh, the verse that always comes to mind is that when it comes to our unity in Christ, we talk about unity in terms of there's no Jew or Greek, there's no male or female, there's no slave or master or free, but all are one in Christ Jesus. So the very real sense in which patriarchy is being imposed in terms of the podcast is actually a direct affront towards Christian unity in its fullest sense. Yes, there's no question. And that really brings us, Gabe, to uh, a passage in Ephesians chapter 2 that was uh, mentioned and um, expounded upon a bit uh, by the hosts. And it comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 and following. And uh, I think it's quite plain uh, to, to, to us that there was kind of a uh, an interpretation imposed on the text mm -hmm. uh, rather than the text speaking for itself. And, mm -hmm. and if I could just read this out loud for uh, our hearers, Ephesians 2 and beginning in verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Mm. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Amen. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built up together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Amen. 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 What is important to emphasize here is what the text is really preaching. Mm -hmm. And it is fundamentally preaching the gospel Amen. of Jesus Christ. That there was hostility between God and man. Mm -hmm. And that Christ came to remove that hostility mm -hmm. by giving his own life as a sacrifice for our sins, okay. for fully obeying the law of God and then as a spotless lamb, giving his life on the cross uh, to atone for our sins and then to rise from the dead. And by grace through faith in him, we are brought into union with him mm -hmm. and we are reconciled to God. But what mm -hmm. happens when you are reconciled to God? You're also reconciled to each other. You're also reconciled to those who are also in Him, mm -hmm. in Christ, united to Christ. So the passage begins by, by this wonderful rejoicing in what the Gospel has done for the Gentiles. Uh -huh. It says here that they were at that time, in that time of, of unbelief, the time before Christ was revealed to them. Mm -hmm. It said they were separated from Christ, 
alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise. They didn't mm -hmm. know Amen. the covenant of promise because mm -hmm. they were they were they were pagans. They were outside mm -hmm. of uh, the covenant community. They had no hope, mm -hmm. and they were without God mm -hmm. in the world. What a place of despair! That's right. What a place of of meaninglessness and sadness and hopelessness. Mm -hmm. But then it says, "But now." There's great mm -hmm. words in the mm -hmm. New Testament. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near yeah. by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. And then it says, he's broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Mm -hmm. Now, what is this pointing to in the Old Testament <laughs> temple? This is the veil. Yeah, well, it's, well, it's, it's that wall, too, mm -hmm. that said no Gentiles allowed in yeah. inner court, uh -huh. right? In the outer court is where the Gentiles had to yeah. stay. They couldn't come in. And, and there literally was a sign that says, you can't come in here. Yeah. And so Jews wouldn't eat with Gentiles. Their food was unclean. They were unclean. Mm -hmm. They were considered dogs, so on and so forth. And Christ has come, and he has broken down that wall mm -hmm. to bring us to be a one people and one new humanity in Christ, right? Mm -hmm. So what does this passage have to do with relationships between men and women? Well, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 you, you may want to, to grab some principle mm -hmm. or an illustration to make your book, but this text is talking about what the gospel does to bring people uh, into reconciliation with God by grace mm -hmm. through faith in the personal work of Jesus Christ and mm -hmm. with those who are united to him mm -hmm. by grace through faith. So mm -hmm. uh, we are all members of one body. And so Jew and Gentile, the dividing wall has been brought down, and what the Jews were doing we're trying to add things to the gospel mm -hmm. for the Gentiles to come into the church. Exactly. So that's what it's talking about here when it says that you're trying to add commandments. or you're, you're, It says, verse 15, By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create himself, create himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. The commandments spoken of there that he's abolishing aren't mm -hmm. getting rid of the law for the Christian life mm -hmm. or removing... The law from the Christian conscience. Mm -hmm. It's removing the ceremonial law, circumcision, mm -hmm. and keeping the, all the holy days and so forth. That mm -hmm. the, some Jewish Christians, so-called, were requiring of mm -hmm. Gentiles that were coming into the church. So this this passage is glorious. It's beautiful. Yeah. It proclaims the gospel. But we need to be careful to impose upon the text mm -hmm. something from outside the text in order to make a point. And I think that was one thing. I personally was very uncomfortable with in the podcast that that there was something being taught from this text which really isn't being taught from this text. That's right. And I guess this leads to a more a broader point and this perhaps kind of goes into my own background personally. So uh, for uh, the listeners here, some of you may know that I am a uh, professor and part of being in the academy means that you get to interact with different departments and just kind of talk through uh, various sort of ideas and one of the things that I recognize when I listen to the podcast is that there's in terms of much of our discussions about sociology and politics within most of the podcast but in particular part of this podcast one of the things that comes out is the question of some of the language that's being employed and so I want to use a common example so if if we're talking about Christians one of the things that Christians do intuitively is that we tend to decipher and discern things that we pull from outside sources. So an example would be if we turned on the History Channel, 
we tend to, and if we see the History Channel, we see a show on Christianity, we do not just swallow all of the actual historical categories. So no Christian I know ever talks about the Genesis account as the Genesis myth, because that's what the academy currently uses for that. Now, we do that for history, and one of my concerns, personally, being an academic is, I wonder if the same sort of discernment is used for sociology. Because one of the things that I can do, and I've done before in my college, is that I'll walk up to a sociology department and just have a conversation about sociological theories. We know that many of the theories that have been, let's say, uh, proposed over time to explain human behavior are not coming from a distinctly Christian worldview. At best, they may be neutral to it, but if we're going to be more honest, for many of these theories, they're coming from a very anti-Christian, secular, secular humanist point of view. And so if we kind of listen to the podcast, there are certain terms that are repeatedly used, such as marginalization, oppressed, toxic patriarchy, majority culture, toxic masculinity, in my context, oppression, etc. Those are not words that are common to Christian traditional Christian just usage today. Those are words that are coming into our context. And so a question I have, and it's kind of a, a question of wondering is, in what ways are these terms and these uses similar to how, say, a secular academic uses them versus how a Christian would think about these cop uh, topics? Because the basic idea would be, if there's no real clarification on how these terms are being used, we would normally default to the current or historical meaning of these words. And some of these words don't shine a light upon Christian unity. Some of them are actually presupposing a patriarchal structure that's inherent upon Christianity itself. And so part of my own thoughts about the actual podcast is, um, it's the same sort of discernment that we use to discuss, say, science, history, and et cetera, used in discussing sociological issues within the church. And it's my concern that that's brought up. And with that, I'm going to pose kind of the following question. So we know that the doctrine of man from a reform perspective teaches that sin has not just affected us morally, it's affected our mind, our interpretation of events, and all of kind of our life. So the question becomes, if this is true of say history, science, wouldn't this be true of other endeavors which tries to interpret human behavior? If sin has affected human judgment and we are getting categories from secular people, how is sin affecting their interpretation and understanding of human behavior? If it is affecting it adversely, how are we either altering their meaning or changing their current definitions. Yes, yeah, so really it's, we need to be careful not to view scripture mm -hmm. through the lenses yeah. of uh, another discipline, for instance, yeah. rather than coming to the scriptures and, and uh, asking what the scripture is teaching itself in its mm -hmm. own historical context. Amen. Uh, so, for instance, in the podcast twice, the, the term gender construct Mm -hmm. was used right correct and so what is the average person going to think when they hear that gender is just a social construct well you're gonna probably think of gender fluidity and that kind of leads to 
discussions on transgenderism and things like that. That would be a normal situation. So the Bible isn't what actually is defining male and femaleness. It's actually Mm -hmm. something else. Mm -hmm. And so that's where there were some concerns that some there weren't there were words used as you mentioned a moment ago that have historical meanings and current meanings that could cause a lot of confusion unless clearly uh, uh, defined That's correct. in the conversation uh, so I, I guess what we're doing here is just asking our brothers and sisters to give more clarity on what they mean by these things because we yeah. we don't want to make uncharitable assumptions and to think that all of you uh, mean uh, some of the things that you could mean by saying some of these things, but that uh, you would clearly communicate how, in a Christian context, you're using some of these terms. Um, they're they're going to helpfully uh, move us forward in a conversation. Yeah, and I want to say that this is not just in one direction. In this conversation, this is a matter in which we commonly talk past each other. And so oftentimes, for instance, you may hear that whenever this perspective that's from the podcast presented, you may hear the word liberation theology just thrown out there without any real qualification or thought. And I know as a man who's gone to a historically black college, that's a buzzword that tends to shut down communication. And I know that when that word has been used in a flippant sort of way, it's meant to just stop opposition. But the same thing occurs on both sides, just as the word racist can be thrown out just to shut down opposition on perhaps the more conservative side, the word or term liberation theologian, cultural Marxist, whatever word you want to use, can just be thrown out. And that's a admonition to both sides that if you want to improve the conversation, we have to kind of push aside jargon, push aside ad hominem attacks, and let's just yes. deal with substance. We probably have much more common than we think, but we are talking past each other with verbiage and jargon. And defining of terms is important in yeah. that in that process, um, and that that really too brings us to um, the the manner in which a lot yeah. of these things were communicated. That's uh, right. The the use of of what many would consider inappropriate language. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the talk about body parts, about mm-hmm. male body parts being microphones, and maybe that would give us credibility in the church if yeah. if we as women carried uh, microphones that were in the uh, shape of male body parts, mm-hmm. uh, private parts. Um, is that really necessary? Uh, is this, does this kind of shocking, uh, inappropriate, undignified language mm-hmm really necessary. I mean, if we're all going to come into a room, is that the kind of conversation we're going to have? If we're going to have a conversation, for instance, yeah. we got a, it's so wonderful, isn't it? The PCA has a, a study committee to study mm-hmm. the, the, the roles of, of men and women in the church and uh, a, what an encouragement. I, I certainly hope they're not yeah. having a discussion <laughs> there like we heard on, on, on the podcast because it's it's so unnecessary uh, to bring in those kinds of words, and to me, it only seems like there's it's there for the, the kind of the shock value to shock you into agreeing with what they're saying. Yeah, there, there's uh, being provocative for the sake of marketing, and then there's being provocative for the sake of being provocative, and oftentimes, and again, both sides are guilty of this. It's possible to simply overstate your point just to drive home a point. Yeah. And and, and it was said a couple of times that Mm -hmm. it was just being raw. Mm -hmm. It's being raw. 
Well, if I'm in my living room hmm. and I'm talking to my family and I'm getting fired up about something and hmm. I begin talking about body parts yeah. and and my my response to my wife who would be upset with me would not be, well, I'm just, I'm just being raw, sweetie. I'm just being raw. Uh, I think that it's important that we recognize when we have overstepped. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that if this conversation is going to be had, and it's a good conversation, yeah. then it needs to be done in a, in a dignified way and in a civil way. Yeah. And I think that most people would say that really wasn't the way it was communicated, at least in parts of the podcast. And again, uh, the scripture is very clear that uh, although it is difficult to bridle the tongue, we are told and commanded to bridle the tongue. Yes. And so, and do not let any unwholesome word proceed forth out of your mouth. That's correct. And so it's, it's not an issue of just being authentic. Uh, the virtue is not authenticity. The virtue is godliness. It is being wholesome and edifying. Indeed. Indeed. Well, this has all been very helpful. I'm, I'm encouraged, too, uh, that with the study committee uh, that was erected in the PCA to study uh, the role uh, of women in the church, how to encourage them and empower them to serve in the church, um, I'm encouraged that there are actually women on that yep. committee That's that right. are communicating. And so I'm just encouraged that, I, again, the, the podcast didn't name any particular denominations and um, I can only charitably assume they weren't talking about the PCA, but I'm thankful that as I uh, think about the many years in the PCA that I've never seen anything that they're talking about. And if it ever does uh, emerge, if these kinds of things are going on, then they need to be, they need to be um, dealt with of course. Uh, in love. And um, another thing that was a little bit um, uh, concerning was the manner in which uh, there was some encouragement for women to uh, to pray in in public worship and mm-hmm. to be involved in teaching roles. And I don't know exactly what they meant by all of that, but mm-hmm. uh, there was this kind of assumption made. It seemed okay. that if you are not allowing women to participate in the public worship service, for instance, mm-hmm. leading parts of the service and so forth, that that you must be a part of this. Apartheid. Apartheid. This mm-hmm. this oppressing of women and holding them down and not using gifts. But I think it's an, it's a, quite frankly just a very unfair thing to say. Um, mm-hmm. Churches of all colors have been working through um, what is and is not uh, uh, the best way to lead a worship service, and mm-hmm. it has been traditionally in the Reformed faith. Um, when we understand the the role of a minister and the place of a minister, that the minister. Uh, and the ministers should be leading the public worship service of word and sacrament, reading the scripture, praying, administering the sacraments, mm-hmm. um, leading the service. And it's their role in the life of the church. Mm-hmm. And so to throw this on the church that you must be oppressing women if you're not allowing them to get up and to be participating mm-hmm. in the public worship service through the various elements of worship, I think is a uh, a very unfair thing, and it's mischaracterization to say that we're mm-hmm. oppressing women. I've, again, I've been in churches with extraordinarily gifted, talented mm-hmm. women that, yes, could do a great job at something like that, but uh, we would see a, dis- a distinction in the role that, uh, and, uh, that we're supposed to carry out in the life of the church. And again, uh, this may be a issue of, in the podcast of discussing um, matters of what 
gender roles are in the church. And so a, a part of the pod, the original podcast discussed what ordination means and also what ordin- what kind of things come from ordination. And it may just be a point of disagreement. But again, this can be a disagreement without uh, insinuating an issue of malice and hatred upon the other side. Uh, simply because there's a conviction towards male ordination and the corresponding uh, roles that may apply. It does not infer that there is somehow a deep-seated, uh, purposeful suppression of women. Again, uh, it's a state, it's to make an overstatement of something that is just a mere disagreement. And these <clears throat> convictions don't come from thin air. They come from the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And um, in First Timothy chapter 2, verses yeah. 11 through 14, we have uh, a clear statement by Paul instructing in a pastoral epistle mm-hmm. um, that a woman should not teach or have authority over man in the church. And mm-hmm. uh, that is not demeaning. It's actually rooted in creation itself. If you mm-hmm. read that text, you'll see that uh, there in First Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, that it's not uh, merely a, a social construct. Um, why don't you read that for us there, 2, 11 through 14, Gabe. All right, First uh, Timothy chapter 2. A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who was first created, and then Eve. Okay, stop there. I mean, that, here Paul, Paul mm-hmm. is not just coming out, up with something out of thin air. He's actually mm-hmm. rooting it in creation itself. Mm-hmm. The role distinction mm-hmm. between men and women. And we have this clearly communicated as well in Ephesians chapter 5 mm-hmm. regarding marriage. That the man is the head of the wife. And mm-hmm. again, this is not an oppressive, harsh, mean mm-hmm. spirit. This is a man who's supposed to lead his wife as Christ leads and loves the church mm-hmm. uh, so any kind of uh, we don't want to take sort of the worst expression of patriarchalism mm-hmm. and then and then take that and, and impose it upon every view mm-hmm. that would be teaching what this passage is teaching yeah. uh, we want to affirm this in the way the Bible affirms it in the way the mm-hmm. Bible teaches it mm-hmm. and so there you have for Adam was formed this is his reasoning Mm-hmm. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman who was deceived became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. We also have the language in <coughs> Titus chapter 2, don't we? That's correct. Uh, regarding uh, the role of women in the life of the church. So it's, it's, we understand, right, mm-hmm. that there are, there are lots of things to discuss around this, and mm-hmm. it's it's not without the need for discussion. And there's nuance. And there's nuance, mm-hmm. yes. Um, but we don't want to um, uh, mischaracterize people mm-hmm. simply because they hold a position and a conviction that the Bible uh, teaches and has been it's been held to teach this for many many yeah. centuries and thousands of years, and we don't want to. Um, to say that we shouldn't be um, holding this position, that somehow we have a low view of women if we do. And this may be kind of an echoing this point, but this is at one of those points in which it may be helpful to clarify why such roles are considered either unbiblical or undesirable in terms of the podcast. Because the way that Paul phrases 
the actual roles of women are not in the context of in a sense suppressing what they have just for the sake of being a male dominating figure Paul's argument is that the beauty of creation is in complementary natures and so the purpose of the actual roles of women is not built upon the you know Jewish society and the Greco-Roman society which viewed women as basically being uh, something to put your foot on uh, the way Paul ar argues is that it is a beautiful expression of God's creation that they are complementary pairs to God's creation that man was made for woman woman is made for man that is meant to be a complement it's not meant to be a overarching structure that is meant to be overturned and this is kind of going back to a point I made originally this yes. is why it's a concerning issue that this is something that's coming up because yeah, and if you talk with this topic among a sociologist who may be a little bit um, either unchristian or anti-Christian, one of their main arguments against the truth of Christianity and against the truth of Paul's writings in terms of being inspired is that view of patriarchy. Yes. It's the belief that the actual definition of male and femaleness with roles is inherently patriarchal it inherently enshrines the misogyny so the question that comes out is if this is a, if it's a if this is a mischaracterization of your position in terms of where it comes from uh, the question would be kind of make an argument i'd like to know on what basis uh, do you uh, I guess interpret these passages differently and how is that interpretation different than say what a secular psychologist uh, sociologist would do right. in this case. Yes, when you use <clears throat> the same paradigm and mm -hmm. the same interpretive principles uh, okay. to to define your position in the church, mm -hmm. why would you be surprised if people would be concerned about that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was said in the podcast that white women really suffer in their churches um, and that uh, white women are more easily run over and that black women are more likely to stand up for themselves. What are your, what are your thoughts about that? I hear I am asking you that as a black man. But when you hear that, what do you? How do you respond? Uh, I guess you apparently haven't let met a lot of white women. <laughs> Certainly <laughs> haven't, met, haven't met my wife. And haven't met the ladies of our church. That's for sure. That's you know, <laughs> that's connected also to the idea in the podcast that. And they qualify this that some black men marry submissive white women to be accepted in majority culture. It's attached <laughs> to that idea. It's insulting to both the black man, the white woman, and the black woman. Exactly. But again, um, I know that's one of those I'm just being authentic and real about it, but Again, is it helpful? Is it, is it helpful? And be honest, if that was reversed upon you, if a white man married a black woman because the black woman has more sass than the average white woman, what kind of statement comes out from that? <laughs> uh, I mean, we know how many people would interpret that. Why would you be stereotyping black women? Why would you do the same thing towards white women? Is the basic point here. So it's, again, uh, it's a passing gesture, and I know it's just meant to be, you know, Ha ha moin, which is a bunch of people sitting at a table, but it's a public forum. Um, yes. You're not allowed to simply just uh, say what comes out your mouth and not expect commentary or just a pushback against it. Yes, and we recognize these are, you know, members of of 
PCA churches, OBC mm-hmm. churches, mm-hmm. Um, and it's not an official statement. They didn't <laughs> write a, uh, a confession, you know, um, and, and we recognize mm-hmm. that. But at the same time, part of the reason why we want to have this conversation is because mm-hmm. the podcast has received a tremendous amount of attention, mm-hmm. and we thought it might be uh, helpful to engage uh, in mm-hmm. a rhetoric way, in mm-hmm. love. Uh, we. We have no anger or bitterness in our hearts. No. Uh, we we simply want to to uh, encourage as well as question some mm-hmm. of the ways that that uh, these things were were communicated. Um, yeah. So, any other thoughts you have, Gabe, on the on the podcast? Things that uh, we want to discuss. Again, I, I appreciate the conversation being brought up. It's always needful to assess what you're doing individually and to assess potential blind spots within the church. And so I don't know how often this conversation would have come up unless the podcast brought it out to the forefront. I'm not aware of a lot of explicit discussions on pushback concerning particular roles of ministry and gender. I'm not aware of any, maybe there are some, but I'm just not privy to it. But I appreciate the podcast for that sense that it actually does bring out some very important things to consider. It's very important to consider that perhaps we may still have traditions that we have inherited that we haven't fully thought through. And that's appropriate thing to challenge and it's great to challenge. And if men aren't willing to change diapers and help with the fellowship meal and clean up dishes and and you know, do the things that traditionally uh, women have, have mm-hmm. done the majority of, if we're not willing to do that, then shame on us, right? Amen. That's right. Shame on us. So I, 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 with you, agree with this. And I, mm-hmm. I do dishes, and I, when my kids were younger, I changed a lot of diapers. And, um, still doing and, it now. Yeah, they're still doing it now. So we, we fully agree with that. We, we reject, mm-hmm. you know, I think uh, one of the brothers said it, you know, they talked about the machismo mm-hmm. um, kind of attitude in a Amen. lot of men in the churches, and we reject that. That's Amen. ungodly. It's 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 you're not walking in the spirit if you're walking in machismo, right? Exactly. Uh, we walk. We were called to walk in humility and love. I I do want to bring up um, one thing that really was actually maybe the most uh, concerning thing of all was that right at the end uh. of the podcast there was a, kind of a disclaimer mm-hmm. made um, where it was said that this podcast doesn't reflect the perspectives of transgender image bearers mm-hmm. and okay. um, I'm trying to understand this and to make charitable assumptions um, I know there's a desire to reach out to people to not turn them off to not uh, offend them unnecessarily but it was just a it was a, an interesting moment uh, for this to be said, I, I, I'm trying to to really understand why that was altogether necessary, and 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 you know it was. I think somebody wrote that a bone was thrown to the transgender movement by this last statement, and you know maybe that's uncharitable, but it it just seems like maybe is that really necessary? Um, I'm I'm just going to choose not the comment. I assume that there will be another podcast that clarifies more particular things on gender yeah so for me i'll just leave that there um again we know where that sort of language comes from and we also know that this is a modern view of gender fluidity and so 
I assume there will be some clarification on yeah, that later. It, I would say that would be so helpful because, you know, again, it's just not something that we're used to hearing. Yeah. Um, and we we would certainly think it would be good for the listeners of Truth's Table to, to understand what they meant by that. And I certainly would love to know uh, what what they meant by that and uh, thinking the best of our brothers and sisters. Um, well, it's been a blessing to be with you, Gabe. Been good. And uh, what a joy it is to, to fellowship around an important topic. And as uh, we uh, leave, I do, do just want to encourage all of our listeners uh, to make sure that you're praying for the unity of the church, not Amen. just the PCA, but uh, the Lord's Church worldwide. And that where there is ever any kind of ungodly uh, oppression of women, um, that uh, that we would uh, stand up uh, for our women, but also that we would recognize uh, that it's important to understand the true biblical distinctions and roles between men and women uh, in the life of the church, and not uh, too quickly uh, mischaracterize uh, those who may not hold the same convictions that you do. Uh, I have. Uh, when I studied at University of Edinburgh, you know, there was a lady who was a PhD in medieval history and was a great help to me in my writing when I first went over there. Mm -hmm. And she was a woman priest in the Anglican Church. Mm -hmm. And uh, she loved the Lord. She was wonderful. Uh, do I disagree with the fact that she's ordained into uh, pastoral ministry? Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. Do I believe the Bible teaches that's not right? Yes, I do believe the Bible teaches that is not right. And yet... She was a friend, and she was kind, and, and I believe she's going to be in heaven, and she loves the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to be careful that we're able to speak uh, in a dignified, civil, loving way about matters that we may, we may fundamentally disagree on uh, in the context of this, uh, this important conversation. Of course. And just to add, uh, some conversations are difficult to be had, but that doesn't mean we ignore it. And so this is one of those conversations which are, it's difficult, it's nuanced, it rubs up against some natural sensibilities for some, but let's, let's uh, in one sense, let's think about how we want to move this forward. And yes. this really means that, on this again, I'm speaking on both sides, whether you agree or disagree with Truth's Table's commentary on the matter, that if we want to move this forward, we have to get beyond the there's a racist, there's a bigot, yeah. there's a misogynist, and that's a liberation theologian who's hiding cultural Marxism. We need to get beyond that sort of stuff. We need to get to what is it that we actually are seeing currently, not what we saw in the past. What are we seeing currently that needs to be actually addressed? And I think what this podcast is doing in a helpful way is to kind of open the door to kind of how things are being perceived and how we can kind of move forward in the conversation. So oftentimes, you know, this is something we do as individual Christians. If we see an error in our life, we tend to overcompensate in the opposite yes. direction. And so let's not do the same thing here regarding the church. If we, we know and all confess that things were not well done with women in the past within the current denomination or in the past, but we should not try to overcompensate for that by swinging to the other side. Yes, yes. And one of the worst <clears throat> things we can all do is respond to something within about 12 hours mm -hmm. of a, uh, a discussion, whether yeah. it's with another individual or whether it's mm -hmm. with a group of people. 
uh, we all need to be measured and, uh, and make sure that we are doing what we're doing from a heart of love before we uh, respond. And that's true for both sides, uh, for both sides. Uh, so we're so thankful that you uh, could be with us today uh, for this episode of Between the Times. We promise we won't wait another five months before we have our next episode, <laughs> and we hope you'll be with us. Thank you.